0: This episode you are about to enjoy is a previously recorded episode from The Unfiltered Historian. Good afternoon everybody and welcome to another episode of the unfiltered historian we have a really special episode today guys and i'm really excited i know i kind of jumped it out of nowhere on uh, the other the other day when i announced it but we are our first episode of what seems to be quite a few which is really exciting called talking titanic with bruce morton bruce welcome to an episode i'm really happy to have you it's great to be here oh yeah, so, well i haven't really dove in too much with the Titanic a lot um, on this page. A lot of our uh, talks have really strictly focused on the civil war, just some wars out here in the Eastern theater and being the unfiltered historian we kind of started with that name because we didn't want to really stick to one area of history we wanted to be able to talk about a lot of things and when it comes to talking history especially on this page we don't just look at what's in the books and what's already happened we like to see what people are doing in the field today to you know either preserve history study it more or just be able to experience history in some way shape or form and talking with you recently and you know being able to hear just a little bit about what you do it's really excited me to have you on this show because I'm like, this is a whole new topic that we haven't touched or ever covered on, or most of us probably haven't even learned about. And it's extremely interesting and it has a lot to do with history. So I'm going to sit back and be quiet. I'm going to let you take over the floor and introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what's going on. And whenever you're ready, we can play the
1: slideshow for you. Yeah. Great. Well, um, just to introduce myself, uh, I'm, uh, as you can see, I'm Bruce Morton. I'm a electrical engineer. I have been working uh, at a company called OceanGate, and um, uh, I, I started there back in 2019, uh, fall of 2019. And uh, uh, I'll in my presentation, I'll be sharing some details about it. But about me and my experience, I uh, have been. I was hired to be the designer for a submersible. Yeah, uh, the, for the electrical, the electrical design for a submersible that will be going to the Titanic. And uh, so when I when I first got contacted by a recruiter, uh, the guy asked me, recruiter asked me, so are you interested in working on submarines? And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I'm not interested in working on military stuff. He said, no, no, this isn't military. It's like private stuff. I'm like, really? Private submarines? <laughs> and so I, I interviewed for the job, and I couldn't believe, I didn't even know that. This company was near me. I I live in Everett, Washington, just north okay. of Seattle. Or, well, actually, I live in Lake Stevens, Washington. It's right
0: here. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, um, but it looks like there's a nice lake back there. <laughs>
1: yeah, and um, uh, which is near Everett and uh, just north of Seattle. And so, uh, so yeah, I was like, wow, that's super exciting. So I started working at a job, and I have never worked on any kind of subsea stuff mm-hmm. before. I've always designed things like cell phones and barcode scanners and, uh, and such. So okay. um, I have. Um, uh, so, but I, I'm, I'm flexible. I can learn, and so I started uh, working with a team, a small company, to to design this uh, this sub. And <clears throat> we had our our first expedition to the Titanic this summer. It's last summer, 2021. And, uh, I, it was my privilege to, to go on this expedition and it was an amazing experience. And, uh, it was, uh, six weeks long that I was working at sea along with the rest of the company and our customers, um, who we call mission specialists and we, um, uh, and I have so much to share, so many different aspects of both the design of the submarine, the. Uh, uh, the, uh, the experience on the water being at the Titanic, things that I've learned about the Titanic and its history mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm i also an amateur genealogist and so I was able to share on the ship um, uh, interesting aspects about genealogy and the, the with the, the passengers and crew on the Titanic and uh, so there's uh, well, I'll, t- I'll touch on that a little bit today too, but uh, awesome. we'll, we'll we'll talk about it extensively because I think with your audience being into history, uh, that's one where one place where an individual and history can connect, and uh, I can help uh, you and your audience to learn about how they can connect with the uh, with people on Titanic.
0: And that is a perfect fit for this show. I mean, it literally fits the mold of what we would love to like put out there and have people do. So that's what we're about. We like to open that door and give people the opportunity to see history in a way they've never seen it before. And even bringing connections
1: like that, that's just incredible yeah. to this. So
0: I appreciate you bringing that and offering that. Sure.
1: So um, it, yeah, it was such an amazing experience uh, for me. I've been wanting to to share it. I've, I've had presentations at, um, at a, a university, at a mm. university. At home at my church um, with friends and I have a, a friend of mine has a podcast so I was on his podcast about it oh, but when, when I was on the expedition I wrote a daily journal because I knew I, this was like such a unique experience and I don't normally keep a journal right uh, but uh, I wrote like an hour or more every day just of the experiences of that particular day it's just oh, that's awesome. there was just so much going on with such a uh, in many ways, it was a, uh, a uh, it was the most stressful time of my life. <laughs> I I'll can see how that, that could
0: be a thing, yeah.
1: But uh, I'll go into all that. But um, uh, but just to give a little more context, after the expedition was done, uh, the it was I was totally exhausted. Everybody was exhausted. They gave everyone a couple of weeks off, and so I uh, came home and um reconnected with the family got, got caught up on a whole bunch of things and then went back into work and i went into work and i was like oh i've got nothing left to do <laughs> i spent two years working so hard uh trying to get this goal done getting this one project done but mm-hmm. once the project is done i was done so right. there was really not much for me to do and so um i uh, i I started looking for another job and I found another job and I'm, uh, I have another job and I, uh, I'm, I'm working from home now and I'm in the process of setting up my home office. It's a little bit messy here. I understand Um,
0: that I'm in the same boat.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And so I, um, uh, so I, I left OceanGate Uh, so, so, uh, I will preface this with uh, the fact that I, in no way speak for ocean gate. Uh, everything here is just my own personal experience um and uh so this is just my own opinion i I don't i definitely don't speak for the company right but i i am still a contractor for the company Uh, they they uh they don't need me to design another sub or design this sub but they they do still need me for uh for things that come up for maintenance stuff that come up and so as things come up uh, uh, i'm i'm still contracted with them to to help out here and there and Maybe even go on the next expedition. I don't know. We'll, we'll find be out. We'll cool go in back a few mm. months. But um, uh, but anyway, uh, with that context, uh, let's start the presentation. So you can Absolutely. look at what, uh, the slides instead of just looking at me. <laughs> let's do it. There we go. Great. All right. So um, let me slide my windows over. And okay, good. So the, uh, uh, like I said, I've given uh, this presentation in different forms to many different groups. And one thing I've found is that if I try to squeeze everything into one hour, it becomes rushed and frenetic. And I end up talking too fast and mm-hmm. not able to really answer people's questions. And, uh, and so this, uh, this is uh, just going to be a subset of everything uh, so I'm just going to focus here on the, uh, on the company and on the sub and we'll, uh, so that I'll give you a teasers on to other things that we'll be uh, covering in the future. If, uh, if you decide to invite me back.
0: Oh, you're coming back. Absolutely. We got you.
1: So, um, uh, so this is um, an early rendering of what the, uh, what the, the Cyclops sub, or one of our subs was to look like, and, it, and I'll show you actual pictures of what the sub ended up looking like. Um, uh, but it's OceanGate subs are a little different from most other submersibles in that they're uh, they're five-person subs, um, large viewports, and uh, not it's just the configuration is different from most. And you'll see other others mm-hmm. that will show. Um, like, like I said, we'll be covering the company, we'll be covering the the design of the sub and the expedition and the Titanic history, and uh, we'll cover it other times, but also talk, I should have time today to talk about the future directions for Ocean Gate.
0: Okay, perfect.
1: So um, we have, uh, Ocean Gate started in 2011. Um, basically, Stockton Rush was uh, he he's, he's from a rich family. He, uh, he's got a lot of money behind him. And he wanted, when he was young, he wanted to be an astronaut. But he figured out right away that he, uh, he's wealthy, but not wealthy enough to be able to build his own rocket company like some guys around uh, here mm. uh, that, that we know of, you know,
0: like Elon right. Musk
1: and, and others. Uh, so what he decided to do is go in the opposite direction. Instead of going up, he decided to go down and to be a sea ocean explorer. And uh, he also wants to be an inventor. He doesn't want to just make something that, that uh, just use standard um, methods and techniques to create submarines. He wants to break new ground, use new technologies to, uh, to do things in a new way. And you could say that Elon Musk is doing the same kind of thing. He, you know, no one had ever imagined, not even NASA had thought of take, putting a rockets up and having the rockets land base up. And it's just a, it's a beautiful thing when it's actually successful. And and so that's what we've done at OceanGate. We've done things in a completely different way. Our sub has different features, and I'll be going over that. Mm-hmm. So the company is. Uh, small. This is a kind of a mostly uh, a company shot. We have some of our customers in here too. This is from our expedition. Um, and uh, the the purpose of the company, like I said, is uh, not just for us to go to the ocean, but to open the ocean for exploration for citizen scientists. If uh, People can pay to go to space while people can also now pay to go to the depths of the ocean. And uh, because not anyone can just go and say uh, you know, that they want to join a scientific expedition. Right. Uh, now, the difficulty here is that we operate outside of normal regulations. The In order, you know, if you were to come up, if you were to make a tourism company and um, and you want to take people on to uh, tours uh, of a uh, of a reef or something? You can use a, uh, a a Coast Guard approved boat and take people out on uh, on, a, on a ride. And you have to pay, and you work, you operate within regulations. But the thing is that we are so small, and nobody else has ever done, or, or nobody else currently does anything else that we do. We operate completely outside of any regulations, not because the uh, it's what we're doing is wrong. It's just that no one imagined, no one in the government has imagined us or anyone doing anything that we're doing. Right. And so, we are trying to work with the Coast Guard to become certified, uh, but they have to create a whole new set of regulations for us, and we can't just sit around and wait for them to to create regulations for us. So. We just operate we just do what we do and the way that we're able to work around any kind of regulations uh, um, we uh, we don't we're not in the business of taking people on rides down to the titanic we don't they aren't called passengers they aren't really called customers we call them um, mission specialists Mm-hmm. basically the idea is that they are joining us to be part of our uh our expedition uh and they have to do work too uh we uh, the people who are on the ship you know they're not they just coming in uh this is not like a cruise we'll right. have them do things like uh you know prepare drop weights and to uh prepare the fairings for uh for you know for putting the fairings back on or, or the other, many other tasks that are needed to maintain the sub and, you know, recharge the sub and, and get it all ready for the next dive. It's a, uh, it's a, it's a major operation. It isn't as simple as like taking your boat out uh, onto the lake. It's, right. uh, there's a lot of, uh, of preparation when it comes to diving and operating and, uh, and the sub. So um, uh, we, uh, uh, Stockton started out making a, a hobby sub. Uh, it's this one in the upper left-hand corner. It's called Suds, and this is literally. It looks like it's made out of propane containers. I wasn't around, of course, when they made this, and it, I I wouldn't surprise me if they actually did make these out of propane. Containers. <laughs> it does look starkly my-
0: familiar, like a propane container. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's got wood and you don't put wood on the sub, it's just, it just doesn't work. But, yeah, he, did, he did what he had to do to make it work and, and that's on a regular boat trailer. But this was just his first little experiment. <laughs> uh, the first real sub that, uh, that they've had in the company is uh, this one on the upper right called Antipodes. This used to be a larger uh, vessel mm-hmm. and it's been modified over the years and uh it's the thing that's really cool about it is you, you can't see it in this picture but there are two hemispheres on the sub one in the front one in the back and it can see five people so you can mm. have two people sitting on the front looking out this full 180 degree 180 180 degree dome and two people in the back so everyone has a front row seat the pilot sits in the middle and uh, it can only go down a thousand feet, but that's perfect for the Puget sound, which is where we're located. Right. And, uh, it's, uh, it, it was, um, it's a great sub for developing, uh, the, one of the patents that we have in the company that is for this, uh, diving platform. It's basically the idea that, uh, one of the most difficult parts of taking, uh, of diving a sub is getting it in and out of the water. Once it's in the water, it works great. Uh, it's it can maneuver it can go up and down but that whole process of Getting the sub out of the water and getting people in and out of the sub it becomes very cumbersome because it's because uh, it, it sits low in the water and uh, It's not safe to load people in and out when when, when it's sitting in the water and uh, And also, you know, how do you get it in the water? Do you have a crane? Cranes are expensive cranes uh, are also problems because when it's just when you have seas that are moving those the swells can cause that that uh, that sub to swing around, and when you got like a, a 25 ton sub swinging around on a crane, that is not safe. No. So, uh, so we've got we, you'll see pictures of our our diving platform that we use for Antipodes and Cyclops and Titan. So Cyclops uh, is similar to that first slide that I showed. That uh, this is what it actually looks like, where you have the Full-size acrylic dome. Mm -hmm. Um, This uh, and the the, all the electronics are in the back, and we have four thrusters: Uh, two for two verticals and two horizontal thrusters for maneuverability. And it has a hatch, a little dome hatch on the top, uh, for people to get in and out. Okay. Uh, Now the 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 one that we took. uh, No, this the Cyclops can only go down five hundred meters. What would that be? That's about. up uh, 1,500 feet maybe, mm-hmm. like, a good, good sense of meters to, to feet. So that's also just on, only good for shallow dives relatively compared to, I mean, it's, it's deep compared to like any kind of military sub, but um, uh, but still uh, not not deep enough for the Titanic. So uh, Titan is the one that goes to the Titanic, and I'll have pictures of that. Um, awesome. But Sometimes I use, uh, let me just show you what uh, the other uh, subs that have gone deep. Uh, Sometimes I use submarine. Sometimes I use the word submersible. It's actually the the proper term for this type of vehicle. It's called a deep submergence vehicle, uh, or we sometimes call it a DSV. Uh, These are some of the uh, DSVs that are around the world. There are very few that are in operation today. In fact, some of these, Actually, most of these are not in operation today. There's only uh, two of these five are still in use. Um, The one in the upper left is what's called Trieste. This was a DSB that was created by the Italian military back in the 50s. Oh, okay. The U.S. Navy bought it from the Italians, uh, ruggedized it further, and made it so that it could reach to the bottom of the Marianas Trench. And so you'll see, it looks like a regular boat on the top, but then it's got this ball underneath. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, the, the the people only go inside this ball. The rest of this is full of diesel fuel. Now, do, does it run on diesel? No, it runs on batteries. The diesel is nice because it is it's a uh, it's an incompressible liquid, but it has buoyancy. Interesting. So it's, uh, so it, it gives the, uh, it makes it so that this is neutrally buoyant because this, uh, this uh, pressure vessel is very heavy. Uh, I, I believe it was made of steel, not titanium. Wow. Yeah. And so uh, when, so uh, uh, amazingly, uh, the, the US Navy was able to send two men to the deepest part of the ocean, uh, which is seven miles down. Uh, 11,000 meters, um, before we sent a man into space, <laughs> uh, but hardly anyone knows about it. Um, uh, and then, so we visited the Marianas trench and then nobody went down there again for another pff, 50 years. And then James Cameron came along and said, Hey, I want to go down to the Marianas trench. And so he made his own DSV, this, that's this yellow one on the right. And, uh.
0: It looks well, tiny.
1: Yeah, it is. It's only a one-person sub. Oh, uh, and it's different because it goes. It, it's since most of the time, most uh, most of the time, it's traveling vertically. It's made like a missile. Where it's going. It's pointing down, and it just goes down. And then when it comes up, it goes straight up like a bullet. And oh. uh, and so um, he took that. He made that with uh some people on uh, an organization in australia and uh, uh, worked out uh, well but unfortunately there was uh there was a it was caught in a fire and it has now been damaged and it's no longer operational darn
0: yeah it's a cool concept too
1: yeah no one in the upper right is called the alvin now this mm-hmm. is this DSB is very famous because this is the first DSP that made it to the Titanic. Um, uh, what's his name? James Ballard, uh, who, who who found the Titanic. Um, he found it on the surface, and then the next year he came back in 1986. 80. He found it in '85, then like '86 or '87, he went down and actually visited the Titanic in this vessel. And um as you can see, it's got a bunch of robot arms and, and all kinds of gear. This one has really meant, this has been the workhorse of deep sea research uh, uh, for many decades. But the thing is, even though it's 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 named Alvin, Alvin is just a, a title. Um, it has been revamped many times. So there's nothing in the current Alvin that exists that was in existence from the original album back in the seventies. I think that's when it was made, but um, like the album has recently been upgraded so that it can go down to 6,000 meters. And um, it's uh, the it, it, woods hole oceanographic institutes in uh, Massachusetts. It's a mm-hmm. private organization and they, they do all kinds of research around the world, but it's uh, expensive to operate. So you can't just say, Hey, I want to ride to the Titanic. And then they'd be like, uh, Okay, give us a few million dollars. <laughs> yeah, they probably wouldn't even be interested in doing that because it's not a they're they're not into that sort of thing. Now, uh, these subs you probably recognize the one in the lower left is the MIR. That is a a DSV That was there's actually two of them. There's MIR one and MIR two. These were made by the Russians, yeah. and they were made in the eighties. The and uh, these are the ones that are that were used by James Cameron when he went to the Titanic. And you'll, uh, you'll recognize they were actually in the movie Titanic,
0: um, mm-hmm. that's part of
1: the, the beginning part. And um, there are others that have been made around the world. But the, the main, the most advanced DSV ever made is this one in the middle. And that's called the Limiting Factors, made by a company in Florida called Triton Subs. And there was a, a rich guy, his name is um, uh, the, Vescovo, uh, I forget his first name. His last name is Biscovo. Mm-hmm. He wanted to go to the uh, Marianas Trench. And, um, and so he, uh, basically spent about $50 million for a Triton to make this sub for him. And once they were able to, uh, now, this this is a it's a titanium sphere it's a two-person submersible it can seat uh, oh, like I said it's two persons but it has three windows and it's uh it's the shape is really weird it's shaped like kind of like a suitcase
0: yeah I was looking at that I was, huh.
1: <laughs> yeah well it's it's also it's it is built to go vertically up and down the water column very quickly mm-hmm. and Uh, And so it's, it's aerodynamic or hydrodynamic in that way. Uh, It's kind of weird when it's going forward through, through the water. It's like a, it's not very, it's like a wall. It goes through the water, but it doesn't matter because it uh, it's, it's going to go really slow. Mm Once it's it's at the depth, it doesn't matter. But, uh, but yeah, this is, uh, an amazing vehicle. And there's, there are videos out there that uh, go into depth on how it was designed. And, and all. it's got a robotic arm. And uh, they had issues uh, diving it, but they worked through all those. And so now they have. Uh, it has been to what are called the five deeps. They did an expedition in 2019 called the Five Deeps Expedition. Mm-hmm. And they went to the deepest part of each of the five oceans in the world. Uh, the interesting thing is that the deepest part of each, those five locations were not known until they did this expedition. I mean, really? Yeah. So they had to actually find those locations while they were out there. They kind of had a rough idea because many of the deepest parts of the ocean have not been, been uh, as you can understand, not explored yet. Mm-hmm. So um, that, that's, uh, that's what they did. They found the deepest parts and they went there. Um, and there's a, there's a video that they produced on that, too. Really interesting. Anyway. Oh, cool. So what about Titan? Titan is uh, different from the others. And I'll, uh, this, these are the distinct uh, things about it. It's the largest capacity DSV in the world. And what does that mean? Those, all, those other subs, those are two and three person subs. This uh, holds five people. Mm. Uh, oh, what's an extra two people? Well, that's a big deal, uh, actually because uh, if you can take uh, if you have one pilot and four passengers, uh, there's a lot of economies of scale to take uh, that many people down to the Titanic uh, versus if you can only take one or two passengers. And actually what we do is we have three uh, passengers, we call them mission specialists, um, mm. three mission specialists uh, a, um, a scientist or archaeologist and a pilot. So that way the people who are in the sub will be able to not only see what they're looking at, but know what they're looking at. because it doesn't if you go down to the Titanic without any kind of guide, other than the bow, you have no idea what you're looking at,
0: right? Just
1: like lumps of uh, rusted old metal. But if you have someone in there going, oh, this that's the reciprocating engine. Oh, that is the, the, the captain's quarters. Oh, that is the uh, the, the telemotor where the, the ship was steered from. Uh, then it becomes a really interesting uh, expedition and, and um, makes it worth it going. So anyway, largest DSV in the world. Uh, has a carbon fiber hull. The, there's titanium domes on the front and back uh, t- for the pressure vessel. But in the middle, it's a cylinder of carbon fiber. And I'll go into that uh that. why would we use carbon fiber because uh well i have a slide on that too so um <laughs> that's further down. uh the lar- has the largest viewport in the world uh, for that depth it's uh, uh you'll get us i have a picture of that later on it's it's about mm, i don't have a real measurement for it it's about mm, it's big enough for two people to look out the window at the same time
0: Let's put them- okay now you have some uh, comments over on our um our facebook page for some reason is isn't filtering comments over here so I can read them to you. Uh, the first oh, one, okay. Barry Rhodes over on Facebook asks, how deep
1: is the Titanic? The Titanic is at 3,900 meters. Okay. And uh, you have to do the conversion into feet. I really? it's like 12,000 feet.
0: Um, and then, in your opinion, yeah. this is from Todd Rhodes, in your opinion, is the Titanic being loved to death? <laughs>
1: uh, it's... <laughs> It's that's uh, that is the one of the controversies about the Titanic. And I'll, uh, uh, I'll just dive into that right now. Um, yeah, The, uh, the Titanic is decaying no matter what we do. The Titanic's just uh, it's the, the metal part of it is rusting and uh, mm-hmm. being destroyed. Um, a lot of people, uh, there are there are two main camps when it comes to the Titanic. Some people look at the Titanic as a uh, uh, as a grave site that should not be visited, should be left alone, should not be disturbed, and that people shouldn't even go down and take a look uh, because it was such a tragedy. It's like for some reason. Uh, People feel like you know, if you go down there, you're disrespecting the uh, the people who have died. I, I can understand that point of view. Uh, another point of view is that it is an archaeological site. Uh, the bodies and bones are long gone. There's right. no trace of uh, of human remains down there at all. But what there is down there are is the the ship itself, the steel, the the the, the glass, the uh, uh, what is preserved are the bottles and the, sh- and the floor tiles and the plates and the dishes and the, uh, uh, all the, the, the uh, there's even luggage. Leather doesn't, you, I was surprised to know that. Yeah. Leather that's does not deteriorate. Really? Um,
0: so does that explain the shoes? I mean, cause some of the shoes were made of leather too, right?
1: Exactly. So you'll see so shoes and, uh, and, and clothes down there um, mm-hmm. and that, uh, and uh Clothes too? And- What's that? Clothes? clothes? Uh, yeah, I think so. It? I think clothes too. Uh, uh, maybe not clothes. Maybe not fabric. But you know, uh, a lot of things uh, are, are preserved in there. Yeah. But uh, but even if you say, okay, oh, those things are preserved, they should be left alone. Well, uh, you know, it's it's a it's a it's like I said, it's an archaeological site. Thousands of artifacts have been pulled up, and if those had not been pulled up, they would be lost to the ocean. And why would it be valuable? what value is there for those things to be destroyed uh, by nature? Right. Uh, why not preserve them and remember them and honor the dead by seeing uh, and uh, what they had and possibly returning, Those items to their ancestors, and some of those things have been done. So some of those things have been returned to their ancestors. I think even letters have been preserved and returned to their ancestors. You got another good. So yeah, that's that's a big controversy. There's even legal issues attached to the Titanic uh, because uh, the British government, the Canadian government, the U.S. government um, Uh do not want people to go and visit if they if if they had enough um, resources, the governments would have prevented us from going. We had to uh, go through a bunch of legal hoops and uh, in order to be able to do what we wanted to do, but, uh, but we, uh, what we're doing it anyway, because they're not able to really enforce uh, their desires. Like the, right. the NOAA, the National Oceanographic Administration, Mm-hmm. They didn't want us to go, but they're not willing to go putting up enough effort to sue us to prevent us from going. All right. uh, so, uh, uh, but what we tried to do is try to work with the officials. And we had some government officials with us on the ship to try to work with them to convince them, hey, look, what we're doing is respectable. We're not disrespecting the dead. Uh, we actually had a memorial service on the surface.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, that's awesome
1: every week uh, that we uh, were out uh, on, on, the, on the dive, but anyway. Um, okay, so uh, back to the slide. Uh, the uh, There is no hatch on this. Uh, it, uh, when you get in and out of a normal DSV, it's, uh, it's through a very tight hole to get into the pressure vessel. Uh, uh, Stockton, our founder, didn't like that. He wanted something that was more convenient for our mission specialists. And so, that front dome it swings open. There's a hinge on the other side, and, and it completely swings open so that you can get into the sub uh, without having to squeeze through uh, a tight hole. And it's uh, it's very convenient because uh, when it came to assembling the inside of the sub and all the electronics, getting in and out is a very back- being able to bring things in and out of the sub, being able to assemble major sections of the uh, of the insides and be able to just slide it in and insert it into the sub made assembly super easy. It would have been so much more difficult if we had to bring in uh, each individual part through a, a tiny hatch and then assemble it inside. So really, it facilitates not only in, uh, entry and exit of. Uh, passengers, but also of the uh, all the items uh, that go into the construction of it. Um, we have a toilet. One of the main things that people <laughs> are worried about when they get on the sub, yeah. and we tell them, oh, yeah, each dive is about 10 to 12 hours. And they think, oh, man, how am I going to hold it for that long?
0: <laughs> 10 to 12 hours. Oh, yeah, I mean, all the time on the ocean floor. But it, uh, that brings up something, I, again, I'm uh-huh. sorry for the questions, but we have some really okay. good questions coming in. How quickly can Titan
1: descend and ascend when exploring the okay. Titanic? Okay, so the typical dive is it takes to about two and a half hours to get down uh, and two and a half to get up, and then there's about four or five hours uh, of bottom time. Hmm. So that's about how long it takes.
0: Well, and then the pressure was also.
1: Uh, the, the pressure, uh, I don't have a number off the top of my head, but uh, the pressure is uh, at, at that depth is enough to kill you instantly. Uh, I've heard is, that. Yeah, there's the, 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 the pressures at that depth are unfathomable. Uh, you, you just cannot imagine how much pressure. And yet there's, you know, there, there's creatures down there. Right. Uh, uh, but the way that they're able to survive down there is because they have no air gaps. Uh, our lungs, we, we breathe air. And uh, all the, any kind of uh, air, uh, gets completely crushed can completely d- dissolved and so one of the things that we do is we have these uh, uh, just to kind of demonstrate that we will put on the outside of the sub we'll attach a, a bag full of styrofoam cups and styrofoam cups since that they have that has air in there mm-hmm. and uh, those cups when you when get totally crushed and when you bring them back up they stay crushed and and so you'll take a, a cup that'll be, you know, a normal size cup, maybe about five inches tall, you come back. And it's like, it looks like a shot glass. Wow. And, um, so yeah, it's uh, <laughs> and so the, that's crazy. The, the hull has to be extremely strong and there can be no gaps because any kind of uh, crack or gap, uh, water would just come streaming in.
0: That's it. Uh,
1: yeah. And that's, and it would be, um, uh, it would be there's no way that people would be able to come to the surface fast enough to be able to, uh, to survive. Mm-mm. So, yeah, a whole breach would be instant death. Uh, so, yeah,
0: safety is uh, important there than them, and yeah, it yeah. shows yeah, you go, want to build the best.
1: And yeah, and I'll go into what we did to make sure that we had safety. Sweet, yeah, this is great. Not
0: the thank you for the questions, guys. You're asking good stuff, I love it. So, the toilet
1: is uh, basically it's a, a double to the front seat, I have a picture of it, and uh. Uh, and uh, now people will think, oh, well, it's not as private, but it's like there's a there's a privacy screen, so people will be able to hear and smell, but uh, you know it's tight quarters in there.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, so the way that the that the sub is steered is through a wireless game controller, just like an uh, like an Xbox controller. It's actually like that. That's cool. <laughs> so it's uh, no it, It's it's nice because uh, the, you're able to pass around control to, from person to person. Uh, so per- somebody can be sitting in the front dome and can be driving around or they can be sitting in the back uh, looking at the large screens um, it's and we have no seats in there uh, per se it's just an open floor and you'll see a picture of that and then there's large media screens on the inside so that people can see uh, what the cameras are seeing on the outside okay. and so this is what it looks like inside
0: no it's way. Uh, very
1: uh i would spartan is not the right word it's very uh basic uh there's not much in there because it's everything is digital uh it's kind of like a tesla in that you know it's the um uh, there's two controller screens and a mm-hmm. media screen in the back and you see there's a, a power button you can see the power button right there yeah and there's a there's a, uh, there's a panel that flips out uh that controls all the the, the circuit breakers, okay. and uh, other than that, there's just a uh, a keyboard for each of those screens. Uh, one computer screen controls all the systems on the sub, and the other one controls all of the uh, all the media, uh, like the uh, the cameras and the uh, the sonar. Okay,
0: uh,
1: and uh, so uh, it can hold five people uh, very comfortably. In fact. One thing that's nice about having an open floors is that people can rearrange their seating location. You know, two people can be sitting in the front looking at the dome. If somebody wants to lay down, there's enough room for somebody to lay down. Uh, it's it's pretty convenient. We do have these like little like stadium seats so that someone can be have something to sit back on. But uh, but it's, it's pretty convenient. This is my daughter. Uh, she's sitting on that toilet. It doubles as a front row seat. So you lift the lid off that and warm the a toilet.
0: That's awesome. And convenience you can see for the,
1: sure. The viewport screen here in the upper right—it's uh—it's very thick glass. It's like about five inches thick or so, and um, and it doesn't distort the outside. It's optically, it looks like a, just a, a flat window when you're sitting there underwater. But uh, but wow. in actuality, it's concave on the inside and convex on the outside. And uh, now when we built the the well, I'll go into the testing later. But this is the, the pressure vessel all by itself. It's right here in the lower right. We uh, we had it on the back of a truck and we sent it all the way to the East Coast to be tested. I'll go into the details on that later. Okay. So that kind of gives a sense of scale of what it looks like. With the, the
0: What's an interesting ship? aspect of seeing a submarine? I've never seen like the bare bones of it before. That's actually very fascinating.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And so from that, we we had to build up all around it. We had to put all the all the thrusters and the, the cabling and all the electronics, and uh, it, it, it was a, a bit of a process to build that. Oh,
0: I can imagine.
1: So the the core, uh, the, the the most basic part of the sub is this center hull, this uh, the, the pr- of the pressure vessel, and it's made of carbon fiber. It's six hundred and sixty layers of carbon fiber tape, and it's five inches thick and fifty five inches in diameter and hundred inches long. It's uh, and what what are the advantages of it? So It's carbon fiber. Not only is it strong, but it's lighter than uh, the comparable amount of titanium. It also weighs less. I mean, it also uh, costs less. Um, So uh, when you uh, the the weight of your pressure vessel is very important when it comes to a DSV because you have to make your sub neutrally buoyant. Now, if you have something that's really heavy, you have to compensate for that by, making, by, by having foam uh, to, to make it lighter. So mm-hmm. if you have a, uh, a large pressure vessel with very thick steel and it's very, very heavy, uh, like if we were to make this out of titanium, we would have to have a, uh, an, uh, an inordinate amount of syntactic foam, which is the type of foam that we use. It's a special type of foam that is incompressible and can withstand the pressures at, at, at the deep depths and will not be uh, distorted. And uh, and so you end up with a sub that will be super big mm-hmm. and unwieldy and not easy to, to maneuver. For our sub, for, for Titan, it was so light that we only needed just a little bit of syntactic foam in order to keep it. Uh, uh, keep the trim so that it's level in the water because otherwise it would be it would tilt forward or tilt actually it would tilt forward if we didn't put any foam on it right uh, but um uh, so we're able to uh to have a smaller size overall of the sub so this sub is about the same size as those other dsvs but it okay. holds um, twice as many people we just, had another
0: question on sure. Facebook, if that's all right. He said, can, uh, Mrs. Todd Rhodes again, can the wreck be penetrated with an ROV controlled from Titan?
1: Yes, that is one of the things that we plan to do in the future. So, uh, so well, James Cameron did that. And um, one of his documentaries about the Titanic, he, uh, <clears throat> he had some ROVs that went into the, the Titanic and saw the rooms. And uh, I know the questions are about the Titanic. Um, I will get into that eventually, but I wanted to get into yeah. the um, uh So anyway, This what's this contraption? This is the robotic arm that was used to lay down all those 660 layers of tape. God uh, this uh, this is a company in uh, in Mukilteo, Washington, near us, that called Electro Impact. And basically, this is a robotic tape dispenser that's a very uh simplistic way to think of it right <laughs> uh, takes these little strips of carbon fiber tape and it lays it down in a very precise way so that it doesn't overlap from layer to layer uh, uh as you as it goes around and uh, it also heats it up as it's depositing it so because you have to uh, this thing at the very tip is a as is a, is a heater so it deposits that tape and um uh, in a very precise manner, and uh, we had to do it in. Uh, it took actually took months. It actually took mm-hmm. a couple of months for this robot arm to build that hull. Uh, it was a very long process, but uh, but we we learned along the way. Uh, we did some test builds before we built the actual hull, and uh, and so we knew how to uh, avoid the issues that we are having earlier, and so we had uh, a pressure vessel that was actually rock solid it was so uh let me go back uh this pressure vessel or this this carbon fiber hull one thing that we do i didn't mention we monitor the safety of the hull uh, in two different ways we use acoustic sensors and we use strain sensors the acoustic Mm -hmm. sensors listen uh for ultrasonic um, pulses that can happen Uh, the, the microscopic carbon fibers, um, when they're under pressure, this, the hull does flex, even though it's five inches thick, that carbon fiber moves very small amounts, a few millimeters, but that's enough for some of those fibers to break. Now, those fibers, if enough of those fibers break, then you're going to have a hull breach and people will die. So, um, if we can listen in and hear those those fibers breaking, we can know ahead of time if it's going to fail. And so we use that as a predictive uh, process. The good thing is that the first time we put, we tested the hull, we put it into a hyperbaric chamber. Uh, we got, we, we could hear those fibers breaking. Uh, but then on all successive uh, dives, uh, successive tests, it was quiet. So we kind of like worked out all the kinks out of it. So it's kind of like a spring. So it under pressure, it compresses a little bit, and then it relaxes. But there's no more fibers that break. So uh, we had we had uh, no issues at all with the with the hull. It was really nice. So we designed the the, the sub in uh, uh, in CAD before we built it in real life. And the nice advantage of this is that. We had all the parts built and ready and to go, so that when we got that that hull back from testing, we were able to assemble the sub in just about two months. Uh, and uh, we just, you know, we assembled it by hand, of course. And so that was really fast, both the insides and the outsides. We uh, were able to assemble, and uh, it was worked out very well. So the, uh, the external systems on the sub are, there's four thrusters, there's cameras and lights. We have buoyancy control. Uh, the way we do buoyancy controls, we have a ballast bag and we have a high pressure air tank. It's kind of like similar to scuba diving. Okay. And then we have, uh, drop weights that control, uh, buoyancy. So when, when, when the, when first diving, the sub is very heavy and it drops, and then when it reaches the bottom, we drop a few weights to keep, to make it neutrally buoyant. And then when we're done diving, we drop a few more weights to make it positively buoyant. So then it will go back up. So basically the, the fuel for a uh, part of the fuel that allows us to go up and down is uh, steel pipe. Okay. Sweet. And then we have tracking systems. Uh, the sub doesn't, know where it's at when it's underwater. Um mm-hmm. uh, GPS doesn't work. Uh, compasses do work by the way, but, um, uh, okay. but we have a, a ship on the surface that has access to GPS and the ship can uses a sonar system to, to monitor where the sub is. And so, uh, and we know where the sub is uh, in relation to the ship. And so then we can guide the sub to where the wreck is. So we can say, Hey, as, you, as they're dropping, hey, you need to go a little bit northeast or you need to go a little northwest. And so we can kind of guide them as they go down. And I was very impressed uh, on every one of our dives. We ended up right on the wreck. It was very good. Very expert systems. And then there's communications. There's a VHF radio from when we're on the surface. And, and the communication, we, uh, we send and receive uh, communication board, uh texting. It's like a sonar modem. And so it's not voice uh, communication. Uh, It's all just typing. Uh, So go down. Here we go. So this is what it looked like naked without any covers on it. Well, at least most of the covers.
0: Right. So you
1: can see the batteries and the motor controllers and all the cabling. Uh, uh, I like this picture because this shows my handiwork. (laughs) This is all done. I made the circuit boards and the, and the oh, these cables go to cool. around. It was a lot of work to route it this. It
0: looks incredibly difficult. I mean, props to yeah. you for that.
1: Yeah, and then there's the internal systems. There's uh, internally there's three computers. There's uh, we have a computer for uh, we we have home monitoring where we like I mentioned earlier we monitor the listen for the sounds of the hull. We have a CO2 scrubber and, a, and an oxygen supply. So it's very interesting how the, uh, it's it's very simple how to monitor and to um, maintain the atmosphere inside the sub. Uh, The way that we get, we basically, all we have to do is we take CO2 out of the air and we put oxygen into the air and then people can survive. And the way that you pull CO2 out of the air is by taking a a box with this powder, it's called SodaSorb. And you blow air onto this powder, and it absorbs CO2. And uh, so basically, it's just a box, a a plastic box with a fan on top of it. And then for oxygen, we have these uh, bottles of oxygen, not air, just oxygen. And it's amazing. A a bottle of oxygen that's only about maybe two feet by ten inches cylinder uh that's enough air or that's enough oxygen for five people for 10 hours wow so, uh, now we have emergency supply of oxygen that can last five people for up to three days and we have a, a number absorber okay. for three days so if they get stuck down there we've got a few days to help them uh, uh in order to get help and to, to bring them to the surface fortunately we didn't have that issue good Okay, so then there's, um, there's batteries, there's circuit breakers, there's power distribution, there's, uh, there's internal Wi-Fi only for the internal. It doesn't go external. Radio signals do not travel through salt water at all. And then we have uh, water detection because there's um, condensation inside the sub and there's, there can be some water that can condense on the bottom of the sub. And so what I worked on, uh, all these systems that I just showed in the last screen, are right here. This is this goes into that rear dome that doesn't have the window. So this gets pushed into that that, that hemisphere. And uh, there are the three computers, there's this uh, power box on the right and there's um custom circuit boards that I've got to connect it all together. And the wiring for this was very tedious. Good lord. So yeah this was a lot of represents a lot of work and uh, but uh, it was fortunately, I was able to do most of the wiring when it was outside the sub. And then once mm-hmm. we had the sub, we could just slide it in. And that was just uh, I can't imagine having to assemble this all inside the sub if we had just a hatch. So here's what it looks like when we first tested it on the vessel. and I mentioned earlier about our, our diving platform. This is mm-hmm. our diving platform. Okay, the sub sits on the platform the platform is this uh, hollow has four hollow air chambers. And so when the platform is on the water, it floats. And then we have these valves. And when, we'll, when we want to dive the sub, we let the air out of those chambers and the whole platform sinks. And so then the sub, when it's underwater can fly off this platform without any divers being in the water. Oh, So it's safer for divers. It's, uh, um, it's safer because we don't have a we don't have to have a crane, um, and we're able to uh, uh, the sub can be kind of autonomous or in that it can fly off and when it comes when it wants to come back up it flies back onto the platform and then operators raise the platform uh, and we're working on a system where we can where, where the pilot themselves can raise the platform but yeah that's that's in the future, but yeah, this is off the back of this uh, of the, the ship. Uh, we built this ramp, this big orange ramp. You see, that was uh, the they built that for us uh, so that we could launch the the sub, and that's a huge piece of machinery. And um, but uh,
0: also, yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah.
1: And uh, but we're gonna use that year after year uh, for the exhibitions. So, uh, I'll, in a future presentation, I'll tell you about the expedition itself and be able to answer questions about the Titanic and what we saw and everything. And I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm sorry if that was. Some people may think that's too much detail about the sub, but that's what I. No, I, want I think it's,
0: this is perfect. I, this is, like I said, a whole new aspect that we're learning about today, and I, I can't appreciate it enough.
1: Just to, I, I, it's just to give people an appreciation for how difficult it is.
0: To get you worked,
1: it, You worked hard on that thing.
0: I can tell just by looking at those wires and just you know that some of the stuff we were describing there is
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's too cool. And then, so it's it's a uh, it, it's not as uh, I mean getting the space is difficult too, but uh, but yeah, it's, <laughs> it's uh, in the opposite direction. anyway, so uh, what's going on with OceanGate right now? Um, we have raised the price of uh, of going to the Titanic to two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Uh, and now some people say that's expensive. some people think that's cheap uh, depends on your perspective I think. but uh, the reason why it's ex- that expensive is because there's there's a huge support to be able to do that. That's, that sub is expensive to build and it's expensive to operate and it's uh, it's not, it's no easy task to bring a huge uh, 18 ton or eight, 18 kiloton, vessel out to basically the size of a small cruise ship out to the ocean, dive the sub over and over again, and uh, and, and to do it safely. So right now, uh, the company is uh, working on getting more customers, uh, more mission specialists. Uh, so they the sub is currently on the East Coast, uh, going around the country uh, on a tour. So uh, for your listeners, mm-hmm. uh, I don't. Unfortunately, these uh, these events that they're showing the sub are not public events. In other words, someone can't just come off the street and pay a few dollars to see the sub. Right. Uh, these are invitation only events, uh, really geared towards people who are uh, who are qualified or you know able to actually afford to go on the Titanic. But if you are one of those people who could actually uh, possibly afford to go, uh, go onto the Ocean Gate Expedition's website and uh, and apply. And uh, there's a bit of an application process. And uh, then uh, if, uh, if you get qualified, then uh, you'll be invited to come and uh, take a look at the sub and maybe even go on a test dive right here in the Puget Sound and, uh, and experience uh, and see if you're the right right for it. Not everyone who wants to go or even can afford to go can go, and the reason why is because some people, when they get in the sub, they realize, oh, I'm claustrophobic, <laughs> and they can't stand it. Or, or if they're um, if they're if they have like a uh, a rough personality, or a, a, I don't know, so there, there are certain types of people who, you know, if you're going to be sitting in a vessel for ten to twelve hours, and you can't stand being with them, we don't want them to come along.
0: No. <laughs> Understood. that could make for a miserable experience
1: yeah yeah uh, and we discovered that last. last time. <laughs> there were a couple of people that we that we thought were going to be really good but they uh, they were not too not too good happy. no <laughs> so um, we have um, uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, new uh, there's some engineering work there were a few issues that we had and I'll talk about that next time. Uh, that we had to repair and, uh, and improve. And those uh, changes are being done now. In fact, uh, I've been consulting with the with, with them uh, to make sure that those uh, fixes are done right. And uh, so next year's expedition should go even smoother than this one did. Awesome. And uh, and so and there's other things to see. A lot of people say, well, can't you do something other than the Titanic? Well, the Titanic is uh, it's not only is it such an, a famous wreck, but it's it's also a sure thing. When someone pays two hundred fifty thousand dollars, they want to make sure that they're going to actually see something interesting. The the whole idea of exploring the bottom of the ocean you you may not see something. You may right. go down and see just nothing but just bare dirt, and that's that's part of what exploration is all about. So uh, if uh, We'd like to be able to take people on and, and see other things, but uh, until we can find people who are willing to take a risk and do some real exploration, uh, we're going to be doing the Titanic, uh, and probably only exclusively the Titanic. So, um, But um, that's pretty much, we're at the hour mark, that's pretty much all I've got for today. Okay. I uh, will go into more of the uh, of the expedition uh my experience there the 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 issues that we had the the um uh there were some actually some scary moments uh, some very stressful moments um uh things that you would never think would happen happened uh, and uh um, some that border on terrifying things that happened <laughs> that happened? happened nobody got hurt though
0: that's good hey, as <laughs> long
1: as everybody walked away with everything that's good and um, uh, and then I'll go into uh, this. This is uh, the first slide of another. Oh, there's one more slide. I want Sorry. to. Get. There you go. Uh, the uh, there's this slide. Uh, this is the the opening slide of a, of a presentation that I gave on the ship. Uh, and this has to do with Titanic genealogy, and that is this question: Are you related to Titanic passengers or crew? And the answer to that question. Is yes, I can virtually guarantee that you and almost all of your viewers are uh, are related to somebody on the Titanic. Really? How can that be? Well, I'll, I'll say the word. You're not an, a descendant. That you aren't. Uh, you're not. You are probably not descended from a Titanic passenger, but you are related to a Titanic passenger. So. Uh, by distant cousins, and so I'll go into how you can find out how you're related to them through distant cousins, and uh, what I found, uh, and it's uh, it's pretty slick how you can find that out. So, and here's my last slide. Oh, I love it. it. Beautiful out there on the ocean, and uh, this is this was sunrise one day out there, at, at the Titanic site.
0: And oh, really? This was at the site.
1: Yep. Yep. Dolphins swimming around, mahi mahi swimming around, uh, birds flying out. It's like, what are birds doing out 400 miles out in the ocean? Well, they were flying out there <laughs> on, on the surface. But, uh, but yeah, it was uh, quite an experience. So um, uh, I have time for questions.
0: Yeah, uh, let's see if we have any more on Facebook over here. It looks, uh, how much insulation against the cold is required at depth?
1: Ah, very good question. Okay. I like insulation- that. One. <laughs> insulation is, is something that um, we can go back. Let me see. I'll stop sharing. Okay. So insulation, uh, I'll be frank, is something that is not even considered <laughs> in the in the time on the uh, on the vessel uh, on the submersible. Why? Why wouldn't you want to have? Well, it's it's just not something that's even a, a concern. Um, what happens is. Uh, the water, of course, yes, it is very cold. Uh, the water is just barely above freezing at that depth. And uh, the, that, that cold temperature conducts right through the titanium. And so the front and rear domes that are made of titanium, they sweat. Uh, condensation, big time. Because there's people breathing uh, out. And so there's the, all that humidity condenses. And it actually produces a couple of gallons of water over the course of a 12-hour dive. And that water just sloshes around on the bottom. And it just and when we open the door, the water just pours out. <laughs> and we have now all the batteries for the sub, all the all the internal batteries on the sub are in the very bottom of that middle of that cylinder. But we have it raised up enough that we don't have to worry about the the leads of the batteries to get wet so the good thing is the carbon fiber does insulate so uh, it's so in the middle of the sub this is interesting the pilot is sitting in the middle of the sub or towards the back and uh, what i was told is that it's a comfortable about 65 70 degrees where the pilot is sitting but in the dome where people are sitting looking out the window it's, a, it's like 50 degrees, 45 degrees. <laughs> and so, Jeez. And so uh, it's like, how can there be met that much of a temperature gradient? Well, that's it, what they said. Uh, and so uh, the, the insulation that you have is just the clothes that you wear. Uh, on the surface, you're going to be hot because on, it was in the summertime. The water is 70 degrees. Uh, the air is about 70, 80 degrees in the summertime. And uh, so it's hot when you're first at the tar- start of the dive. So you want to be, you want to have those extra layers that you can add on layers uh, later. So as you start the dive, you go deeper and it starts getting colder and colder in the sun. It's important, just put a hat on and, and people were fine.
0: Yeah, that that's crazy. I didn't even think about that. Like you would think they would be considered, but now you added a tremendous amount of information as to why.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: That's, Something I never considered myself either. Things you learn about.
1: about. So uh, yeah, I can't see uh, any. I, I guess there's questions on Facebook so I, don't, I don't know Yeah, the,
0: for I've had issues with this one page in my personal page in particular with like the comments not wanting to post. Todd's back again with the question, which is awesome. He's been hitting these good questions tonight. What is the max dive time for breathing air? How quickly can it ascend in an emergency?
1: Okay, so uh, the typical, like I said, the typical dive is uh, about ten to twelve hours. But we have emergency supply of that soda mm-hmm. and that uh, of oxygen. We have four huge bottles of oxygen that are under the floor, and you can see that in actually one of the slides of, uh, of the, that CAD drawing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's enough uh, absorber and oxygen to last for uh, for five people for three days for about thirty six hours. No, wait, no, not, not 36 hours, uh, 72 hours. Yeah. 72 hours. So, so yeah, that, that's mainly for emergency purposes. The typical dive, uh, the oxygen is, is just enough for one, one bottle. Call mm-hmm. day bottle.
0: That's crazy that the, you said that it was a two foot by. Yeah. It's about a bottle like, about, you know, yeah. that's
1: so big. Uh, that has, that has all the oxygen you need. You That's really, awesome. because oxygen, see, most of what the, the air that we breathe is 80% nitrogen. Mm-hmm. So oxygen only takes up about 18, 19% of the uh, of the air. And uh, and since it's a gas, it compresses. And so you really, um, you don't need that much.
0: Right. Did you have a backup rescue sub on hand?
1: Uh, we didn't. We have an ROV. There's a, there's an ROV on the vessel. And so if, uh, there was, if we have multiple safety systems, I didn't get into that. If the drop weight system were to fail, the backup is to, uh, use a hydraulic pump to release some pins and that drops uh, the weight carriage. So the whole weight carriage would drop if that fails, uh, we have another hydraulic system where you just, you turn a lever and then you pump some more and it's, um, it, there's some, uh, uh, what's it called? Uh, some hydraulic, it's not, it's, it's not hydraulic. It's, uh, it's more of a, an air, um, pump. It's like an air pump that that um, pulls some pins and it drops all the legs. Okay. So that it's, and so that, um, that really makes the sub super buoyant. And those would be under, a, uh, under an emergency situation where we couldn't get it up. Now, uh, if the most likely thing that could happen is uh, outside of like, a failure of those systems, like the batteries go dead or, or whatever, uh, is uh, there could be uh, a snag where like the sub gets too close to the Titanic and maybe gets entangled in... With some cables or some netting and it tries to back out and it can't so then the so what would the most likely thing that it could get snagged onto are the legs of the sub
0: okay
1: so if we can just drop those legs then the sub can come up um and if if for some reason it got uh, entangled into something that it couldn't get untangled from then uh or it couldn't get away with by itself then yes, we would send an ROV down. An ROV would cut whatever cable it is uh, ensnaring the sub or to uh, release whatever weights are causing the sub to be too heavy uh, so that it can release. And then uh, that would be the case. So.
0: I want to make sure there's any more comments that it doesn't look like it. Bruce, thank you for joining us tonight. And uh, we'll talk about next episode whenever we can get some time. We can try to yeah, set something up for another one because I would definitely like to continue this if you come back on the show for sure.
1: Yeah, we can uh, uh, talk again in a month or so. And uh, yeah. plenty of our more stuff to talk about.
0: Sounds good. Well, I'll be in We're touch. About... The Titanic itself. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. I just can't wait to hear about this expedition. See, so you got it kind of as a cliffhanger here. So I'm excited to dive into sure. that more as well. Well, thank you again so much for joining and you have yourself a wonderful evening. Okay. Thank you. Absolutely. Bye. Bye. And folks, we will be back again this weekend on Sunday to do a brief check-in about Fredericksburg because we do know we have the Fredericksburg episode coming back soon.